พุทธังธรรมังสังขังนมัสสาม
in a situation where things are disagreeable, like you read in the scriptures where he was having to deal with the, the monks of, of Kosambi and you know, the Dhammer experts arguing with the Vinaya experts and whatever whatever the Buddha said didn't seem to make any difference and they dismissed him. They were rude to him. So here's their great teacher, the Buddha, being dismissed. So do we imagine that he just stomped off in a in a huff and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find me a nice friendly elephant to live with. It's much better than these guys. And of course that that what that didn't happen. And it doesn't mean to say the Buddha never had anything to say to people who he was not pleased with. You know, if you read what it says in the scriptures and there were times when he did have something to say. You know, he certainly let Devadatta know in no uncertain terms what he thought about him and and Chanda and his that, that monk who was going around being arrogant all over the place and and anybody tried to point anything out to him and he just dismissed them. So who do you think you are? I used to be Prince Siddhartha's charioteer and you're not gonna tell me what to do and obviously causing disharmony in the community and, and the Buddha wasn't just sweet and nice and he effectively told the Sangha to send this guy to Coventry and, and that's what happened for a while until he saw the error of his ways. And so we're not just talking about getting rid of feeling disappointed, rather it's can we avoid getting lost the negativity in a way that spreads the pain around. And we all feel pain, we all feel disappointed from time to time. Another example, somebody helpfully shared with me a story recently. They'd been on the telephone sorting out a, a particular problem. I don't know what it was exactly. And the person the, the, at the help desk at the other end wasn't being very cooperative. And, and so this person just kept persisting and until eventually they, they lost it and blasted them and, and then they got the result they wanted. However, they ended up feeling really bad. And who knows what the person on the help desk was feeling like after having been blasted. And is there a way of dealing with the difficulties and disappointments of life without indulging and without getting lost in negativity? You know, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking we're never supposed to feel disappointed, we're never supposed to feel dislike, we're never supposed to feel frustrated. If I was a meditator, I wouldn't have these negative feelings. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big mistake. Mm -hmm. We're going to have positive feelings, we're going to have liking, we're going to have disliking. Can we feel liking and disliking without becoming lost in the moods, in the positive and negative moods? And so when we think about our teacher, the Buddha, dealing with difficulties and, and we obviously can't imagine him speaking disparagingly about those monks in Kosambi and stomping off in an irritated manner, that didn't happen. Why, why do we think that didn't happen? Well, I would say it's because we have faith that the Buddha 
it's not doing what we're still doing. We're still doing something that turns the, the pain of life into a problem. The Buddha experienced the unpleasantness, the pain of disagreeable company and went off to the forest and enjoyed the company of a nice elephant and a nice monkey, which we found preferable. However, it wasn't with hatred. He stopped doing what we're still doing. What is it that we're doing that turns the pain of life into a problem? What is it we're actually doing? Again, we're not just talking about what's going on in our heads. The idea of disappointment, that's just an idea. Mm. Ideas are very different from the reality. We, again, if we're not careful, we can spend all our time trying to understand the Dhamma by thinking and not taking it to the, a deeper level, to the heart, into our guts, into our whole being. What, what happens when we feel disappointed and we get lost in it? As I was saying, there's, there's heat, there's movement, there's energy there. That's very different. So let's register that. The concept of clinging, which is what we're still doing and what the Buddha had stopped doing. The Buddha felt what he felt in the company of those disagreeable monks. However, there was no clinging, so there was no suffering. There was equanimity. And there was clear conscious decision to walk away without suffering. In our case, we're still doing something, we're still clinging. And what is that really? This is a not just an idea. Let's really look into that and take that very seriously. The idea of clinging and the reality of clinging are very different. The idea of, if I think about going for a walk along a lovely beach in New Zealand, this beach that I can remember near a place called Rangiputa in the very north of the North Island of New Zealand, and I can think about going for a walk on that beach and I can have nice memories. And However, that's still an absolutely different reality from walking along the beach. You, when you're walking along the beach, you've got sand between your toes, you've got the sound of the, the waves and you, the seagulls and you've got the sun and the skin and that is an altogether different experience from sitting here in Northumberland thinking about that beach near Rangiputa. So let's register this. The thought of clinging is very different from what we're actually doing and what we're actually doing is something much deeper in our hearts and, and it affects our nervous system. Whatever it is we're doing in our hearts and, our we and in our awareness, it affects our whole being, it affects our nervous system, it affects our breathing, it affects our temperature. We become disappointed. We become fed up because we have lost perspective, I would suggest. And I expect you all agree. We didn't see what we're about to do. We didn't see we're about to cling. It's just, this happens, that happens, boom, lost, there. It's so normal, so quick. And it happens so quick, that's why it's important to, to discipline attention, to slow down and exercise meditation, to get a little quieter, get a little more subtle until maybe there's a moment where we see, we catch it. Oh, look, you've got a choice. You can feel disappointed without having to become disappointed. Yeah. You're not a victim. 
just because somebody behaved in a way that was unattractive and, and displeasing, we're not obliged to become fed up. Now, again, this is we're talking about theory here, but if you take this and reflect on it and and slow down enough and, and look into your own experience, maybe you'll catch yourself when you're about to become disappointed, become fed up, and then say something, blast somebody, spread some of your toxic waste around the world and make other people unhappy. Okay. Very regrettable. Related to this, I can recall a situation some years ago where a teacher who I really looked up to and uh, I was surprised one day when he was talking about the people who keep coming back to sit on retreat with him and he said, oh, they just never get the message. They've been coming back year after year. They just don't get the message and just fed up with these. Why don't they listen to what I'm saying? And I oh, that's interesting. And around this time, I had an occasion. I met another teacher and I thought it would be useful to get his take on this situation. So. I subtly presented the situation and people coming back to retreat over and over again and never getting the message and and uh, how did he feel about that? He said, oh, well, those are the ones that, those are the ones I'm interested in. The ones who get the message, they don't need me anymore. And the ones that don't get the message, they need me. They, they're the ones that should be coming back. Those are the ones that I'm interested in. All well, that is different. And what's different, actually? What's actually different there? What was different with the, diff the second teacher? Well, it seems to me that, thinking about it, that the second teacher, he had reached a point where, not that he didn't feel disappointed anymore, I, I imagine he still felt disappointed when people didn't listen to him or ran away halfway through the retreat or didn't understand what he was talking about. Mm. Mm -hmm. However, he wasn't doing what we're doing, which is imposing limitations on awareness, closing the heart with these habits of clinging. The habits of clinging close our hearts, restrict the field of awareness, and so then the energy builds up and we don't have all the room for the energy anymore. And then the next thing, it's coming out our mouth and we start saying things unpleasant about people. Did we have to do that? Were we obliged to do that? Well, I would suggest no. This constricting our hearts, closing our hearts, limiting the field of awareness is something that we do. And we don't have to do it. Well, at least that's worth thinking about. Do we have to do it? Do we have to keep closing our hearts down, denying the pain of life? Disappointment is painful. Can we simply feel it? Can we simply allow disappointment to be there? We've spoken before about sadness. Can we feel sad without becoming lost in sadness? Can we feel disappointed without becoming lost in the negativity? Well, it takes mindfulness, embodied mindfulness, presence, clarity of mind to be able to even consider the possibility that this is a choice. We are actively limiting 
our own capacity to receive life. When it's pleasant and, and agreeable, well, we cling to that and we think that that's fine. However, the habit of clinging doesn't just stop with pleasant feeling, it's there when there's unpleasant feeling. That's where the Buddha's teaching on mindfulness of dukkha is very useful. Mm-hmm. If we're really mindful of dukkha, we really look into what is this dukkha, what's going on here, are we obliged to turn the pain of life like a normal, everyday, understandable feeling of disappointment, are we obliged to turn that into, I am fed up? <laughs> or is it the result of unawareness, heedlessness, habitual clinging, closing the heart down? And again, it does take subtlety and, and, and commitment because it's not necessarily going to appear immediately or, or even obviously. We need to get really interested why do we keep getting pulled into these old habits? Or well, maybe it's something we learned when we were very young and we're, we don't feel ready to meet the pain of life, the, the disappointment of being ignored by our parents or our caregivers and we feel pain but instead of really feeling the pain and allowing the pain and living through the pain and letting go of the pain, we deny the pain. We discover, oh, we've got this thing called willpower and so we deny the pain and we can basically stop ourselves feeling pain by pushing it down into, into the belly. Instead of feeling the pain in the heart, we push it down to the belly. And well, that works. Mm-hmm. I didn't get taken over by sadness, by anger, by fear. The difficulty is that when we get used to doing that, our nervous system gets accustomed to it. And the next thing you know, it's just happening without even making any effort. Our breathing has accommodated this manipulation and our emotions are habitually pushed down into our belly and then not too much later you start feeling a little bit numb with life. Maybe also coincides with having stomach upsets or other curious things like breathing disorders and where's all that coming from? Well, if you go to see a doctor they might prescribe some drugs to alleviate the symptoms. Well, there might be another way of looking at it, and that is really feeling into our relationship to dukkha, getting interested. What do we do when we feel the pain of life, like the normal pain of being disappointed, feeling let down? Can we feel it in our hearts? A lot of people, their hearts are so habitually contracted and closed off, they've even become cold-hearted, and the feelings are locked in the belly. It's just normal, just very normal for a lot of people. And then they try to sort out their feelings by dealing with them in their belly when actually that's, that's quite remote. It's like the image came to the other day of how it's often the case that we're up in the attic, you know, playing with our computer in the attic and there's all this stuff going on in the basement and we try to sort our relationship with this pain in the, in the basement by you know, talking to it from the attic. I mean, trying to sort out your relationship with somebody who's in the basement when you're up in the attic, that's not very satisfactory. Occasionally you get screamed at and so you have to come down to the basement and have a conversation with them and placate them a little bit, maybe sort out a few things, but it's so awful that you just go running back upstairs again. Maybe you go to the kitchen then and have something to eat and then maybe go to the bedroom and have a sleep and then you wake up and run back up into the attic again, never spending time in the living room. The living room, that's, that's the heart. 
the place of sensitivity, the place of aliveness. Because it's too painful. Well, that's the impression that we grew used to. And growing out of that misperception that I can't handle the pain of life and habitually pushing it down into the basement, denying it, is a really unfortunate habit. It's a really difficult one to grow out of. Even if we start to suspect this is true, we start to open up and maybe we have some spontaneous experience like on a meditation retreat and this open-heartedness occurs and initially it's wonderful and then it feels very threatening. Or maybe it's through some other exercise like devotional chanting or some physical exercise being out in some stunningly beautiful countryside and the heart opens physically, physically the upper chest opens and you feel, oh, you're breathing deeper than normal. There's this wonderful aliveness. And however, before too long, back talking with people and in social situations, and then there's this pain in the chest and you want to close down again. And, and Well, that's sad. That's unfortunate. If we're not aware of the risk of denying the pain of life, of ignoring dukkha and refusing to get the message... And then maybe that's what we do do, and we just close down again. And then we go on another retreat and say, oh, I hope I have that heart-opening experience. And maybe we do, and it's, oh, this is too vulnerable. I can't stand this feeling of being so vulnerable and so raw. And so we think, this can't be right. This feels too raw. And so we close it down again. Maybe we don't even know what we're doing. And all we know is that we've gone kind of numb again and look forward to our next retreat our next amazing experience. Well, if something like this does start to happen, there's the other possibility of bringing mindfulness to bear on this painful feeling that we experience, physiological painful feeling or, or emotional vulnerability. Instead of judging it, instead of saying it's wrong, which we very, very easily do, because we think, feeling pleasant is right and fun and agreeable, we automatically, without knowing it, just decide that feeling painful is wrong. There's nothing wrong with feeling painful, it's just completely normal. If you're a human being, you're going to have pleasure, you're going to have pain, you're going to have joy, you're going to have sorrow. Getting lost is where we tend to make mistakes. So if we bring our well-disciplined attention, our sensitive quality of awareness to this painful feeling in the heart that maybe feels too vulnerable to tolerate, feel like we're on the edge of overwhelm. Feeling like you're on the edge of overwhelm is not the same thing of being overwhelmed. If we have embodied, well-developed awareness, it's all right. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's the very necessary thing to do, to just feel like we're on the edge of being overwhelmed, no judgment. But it feels so frightening. Yeah, well, that's probably what it felt like at an early stage of life where we just started denying the pain of life, the pain of disappointment, the pain of sorrow. This time, instead of pushing it down into our bellies and denying it and then going numb in our hearts, maybe we can experiment with allowing it Instead of doing what we've been doing for so long and imposing limitations on awareness, constricting our hearts, dare to live with an open-hearted, sensitive, 
perspective on life. And then maybe we discover that feeling fed up is maybe all right. Maybe we can feel fed up without having to become fed up. And you look at the people around us who are reacting all over the place and indulging in negativity because they feel disappointed. It's a, that's a sad circumstance. So then we feel sad. And do we have to become lost in sadness? Well, if we have been exercising this way to allowing that open-hearted sensitivity, vulnerability, maybe we'll also be able to just feel the sadness of life. Maybe, maybe the tears flow. However, perhaps you don't have to get lost in the sadness. And isn't that, isn't that compassion? Like that second teacher who's able to keep going back and giving the same teaching over and over again, year after year, to the people who don't get the message. That's surely a compassionate attitude. Remembering, we're not just talking about ideas about compassion here, or ideas about clinging. We need to bring our awareness into the rest of our being, examine it, inquire. What are we doing in this situation that turns the everyday normal pain of life into a problem? So I'd like to end this evening with a, uh, another, as usual, with a Dhammapada quote. This is number 179, which says, The Buddha's perfection is complete. There is no more work to be done. No measure is there for his wisdom. No limitations are there to be found. In what way could he be distracted from truth? The Buddha's perfection is complete. There is no more work to be done. No measure is there for his wisdom. No limitations are there to be found. In what way could he be distracted from truth? So I hope this contemplation helps in supporting the faith that this limitless awareness that the Buddha lived out of is a possibility. Thank you very much, Susan, for your attention. Well.